Hello everyone and welcome to productbookclub.com where we meet every month to discuss a book related to product management together with the author and other product managers. To see all previous discussions and participate in the upcoming ones, go to productbookclub.com. And today we're going to discuss uh, product direction by uh, Nacho Avasino, and we have Nacho with us uh, on the call as well to discuss. So thanks, uh, Nacho, for joining us. Uh, as mentioned, we have on the I send a link on the chat now. There you can also add the, the questions and also vote for the ones. So then we also make sure that we yeah allocate to the ones that, uh, that the audience finds more uh, relevant. Uh, you you will anyways be, be able to, to make your question. Uh, and yeah, maybe we can start with uh, Nacho. You can give an introduction about uh, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so first of all, thanks for having me and super excited. I mean, as I was saying before, I've been following these conversations are super, super interesting. Uh, and I really hope that we can make actually a conversation, not, a, not necessarily a Q&A. Um, and for myself, I, I've been, I started as a software engineer many years ago. I don't want to say how many, but I also many years ago, I, I moved to product. I started as a product manager in a, in a gaming industry. Then I jumped to uh, the travel industry uh, was uh, I grew to the leadership roles. Uh, my last role in the travel industry was as chief product officer of Best Day, which is the largest travel company in Mexico. Uh, but then I decided to to move to to Europe, so I am now based on Barcelona, Spain, uh, working for Xing as director of product for the shops marketplace. Um, and for those of you that don't know the product, Xing is a um, social a professional social network. Uh, similar to LinkedIn, but more based on the Sherman speaking markets. Nice, nice. Yeah, indeed. I, I, I've heard it's quite popular in, in Germany, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, good, good competitor there. Nice, cool. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I read the book, I, I finished it, I think, uh, yeah, this, this week. Uh, I really liked it. I, well, I, I posted on LinkedIn about it, right? That, um, I think there are, yeah, there are other books, of course, about strategy and OKRs. But what I really enjoyed from this one was uh, that it's very pragmatic. And then, well, of course, all the examples, right? So you not only learn why you should have a strategy in place and so on, but you also, yeah, it, it became quite easier. I think quite actionable as well, uh, at least from from my side. Maybe uh, naturally, yeah, you, you can tell us a bit more as well how, yeah, how 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 you came to like you know like the motivation for writing the the book. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question, actually. I'm trying to still trying to answer it, but uh, <laughs> to be really concrete, I think that uh, you, you nailed it, and, and I'm really happy that the book came across as, as pragmatic because that's actually was my my key concern. That uh, I'm, I mean, as a product leader for for many years, uh, I've been uh, let's say a strategy practitioner, and I, I keep reading books and and, and uh, finding new material that was good in the theory, but it was very hard to make it actionable. And there are actually very, very good books that I totally recommend to read. Like for instance, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, that is, is actionable, but it's still at a, at a higher level, I would say, than my book. And my book was trying to kind of solve this path from having this understanding of how a strategy is done to actually make it uh, visible and connecting that to everyday actions. Uh, so it's um, it's highly structured book. Uh, probably maybe that's due to my uh, software engineering background, but uh, I really like to, to understand 
how we do things because I think that understanding them is, is a way to actually improve them. Um, so I, I try to, to describe some very practical approach to do it and a very a structured approach to it, even though I know that in the practice that will change a lot and then people will implement it differently. I think it's a good starting point, especially for people who is um, probably new in the leadership role or trying to find this uh, one way to do it. And then that, of course, as product people, we can uh, adapt and modify to our own circumstances. Of course, strategy in particular is a very broad topic that changes a lot from company and company or product um, yeah, to, to other ones. So um, I guess that my, my key point was making sure that we can translate all this uh, concept of strategy into some actionable steps that we can take in, in our everyday life. Yeah, 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 nice. And indeed, right, like yeah, like you mentioned, I think a strategy being so different in different in yeah, in all companies. That's the thing also that the nice part was that on the book you well you compare different ones, right, or give extra uh, references. So it's also nice, sort of like a starting point or entry point to then read. Ah, okay, then I will uh, expand further if I go read this uh, this other book and so on. But uh, very nice. Uh, I will check the question from the. Well, yeah, the, the, the one with uh, more votes now is from, from myself. Uh, maybe I will start with, with that one. Um, because, yeah, I think that the, the other part that I also really like from the book with these uh, examples was that I also found that, yeah, that the, the guidance was also even very detailed sometimes with like the wording, for example, right? Or the communication that, uh, especially for, yeah, new PMs or like a starting, even, even those questions sometimes are, are valid, right? Like, okay, but how should I actually write it, right? And I think the examples, you also have a couple of, uh, yeah, advice or tips on how to structure it and, and write it, found it very, very good. Um, but I also had a question maybe related to OKRs that, um, of course, right? I think the example you give is like increase the logins or the conversion rate in this much percent. But at least like a personal challenge I found whenever I would you know, move to a new team or maybe the team starts focusing on something else is also how do you put that first uh, number on the OKR, right? Like is 10% too much? Is that even possible, right? Or yeah, so uh, I don't know if you have more uh, tips or maybe what you have seen or yeah, maybe also all others from the, from the call, how they have, um, yeah. And fail, uh, yeah, overcome that challenge. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, uh, that's uh, probably a problem that we we all share. So uh, I can tell how I approach it, but uh, for sure there are all the bad experiences. Um, so I can give a start. Um, I think there's there are two answers or two two ways to tackle that question. On the first place, if uh, if if you are building your OKRs based on a strategy that strategy or while building that strategy, you should have done some sort of uh, insights mapping or insights uh, investigation and, and discovery. So in that sense, when you are saying, hey, I'm having a problem in this space or I'm having an opportunity of solving a user need in this space, you probably try to understand because if you are focusing on that one, you try to understand, okay, how big this is, how much of an impact this can make. And of course, Assumptions can be super big, but at least you are deciding on that one because of some, uh, yeah, some some reasoning behind it to, to choose that path. So even though the, the OKR may not be super specific on metrics that you know, you may have done some market research that led some to some conclusions on why taking this one. So let's say the statistical assumption 
can be the basis for your OKR, even though it's an assumption, even though you are not very specific. And the second part of the of the answer, or maybe more, more related to how I did it, uh, actually. Um, so I started OKRs in, in two companies, so from, from scratch, so from, from, from zero to one. Um, yeah. And this is what happened to us, but I have read that many companies have been the same. You take like three or four iterations, so almost <laughs> a year, until you get something valuable out of OKRs. Um, so I will say that if you are starting with that, it's super uh, fair to to uh, I don't know, be mistaken or yeah, be, be wrong in the first numbers you you picked. Um, what I will actually the way you frame it, I think you are already starting in a good place because many companies how they start they start with putting the the past projects that they were making into the, like this yes or no OKR so deliver this stuff. So if you are already starting from an outcome perspective, this is a super interesting, nice, huge step. So that's a very valuable. And then if you're saying, hey, I want to increase conversion rate, but I have no idea how much I will increase it. That's totally fine. And it's fine to, to make an, an, a wild guess or an informed guess at least, let's call it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to to, to, yeah, to to come up with some number that will, of course, refine over time. So so yeah, that's what, what I will suggest. Kind of get the practice. And as you practice, you will, you will get better at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I've heard that uh, also indeed uh, that yeah maybe the first second quarter you will just uh, okay this number maybe seems right and then then you will start adopting. Yeah. I don't know if maybe someone from the audience or from the call also wants to share maybe if they have faced similar challenge or uh, tips. Uh, I had a question in terms of. I was just interested to know what was, I suppose, your the pain that kind of drove you to say, you know, I need to write a book about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question because uh, there was a clear pain. The, the pain was, as I was saying, hey, there is no, no, no way to do it. And I would say that probably from my perspective, what happened is that I have done it many times but the process was not so super clear in my head. And I had, and, and the, the other thing happened on top of that is that people was asking me, hey, how, how to do strategy? And, you know, I, I do some, uh, yeah, coaching and mentoring here and there. Uh, so I had no very good way to tell that to people or even say, hey, there is this resource there that you can read and you can follow. So uh, I felt that gap uh, and I felt that I had something to add in, in, in that gap. So that's why that's what's the, the, the key motivation for the book. And where do you think most people tend to go wrong? I know you've, you've spoken about obviously gathering insights, but um, in your book, you've got, um, I suppose, setting the strategy, then you've got the roadmap, and then you talk about objectives and key results. Maybe like with each of those sections, like where do you feel that people maybe go a little bit astray? I think yeah, situations might be super super different uh, from from company to company. Uh, but I would say that strategy is the one I'd see people struggling the most. Um, and of course, in the strategy per se, you can go wrong in, in different directions. Uh, but um, yeah, so in terms of steps, I would say strategy is the, uh, usually the weakest one. And when I um, now digging a bit deeper into strategy, I think this um, this 
initial stage between coming coming up with insights, which is hard, and also selecting the right ones, the ones that will drive a strategic advantage or the ones that you can find a unique positioning or things like that. Those are the most attractive ones because once you you done that, I think that the rest of the of the process follows more naturally. So to speak. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. When I've gone into companies, what's happened? They might have started with a strategy, and then over time, they just suddenly stop think looking outside and then all of a sudden it's like internally focused and um you know obviously the world moves but they're they're not they haven't got sort of continuous discovery practices in place and so you go in and everything suddenly become quite tactical mm-hmm. and maybe that is related to to the okr question because uh what i think is is very very difficult so I, I'm, as i was saying i was i'm coaching some companies into uh starting with, with this process and and the problem is when you're doing this for the first time not having insights or, or I mean, coming up and mapping your insights it's not only hard but also time consuming so you you yeah. it's not like uh, hey let's let's sit six people in the room and let's write our insights and that's when we are done uh it's something that you need to probably go into past research because you have insights that are not still mapped And also, you will have pieces here and there that you need to go and research further to see if there are valuable insights or not. So I think that's kind of uh, where the, 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 the whole problem starts because, and, and I, I put that in the book, but you know, with that requires a lot of time. We are working on urgent stuff, so uh, we are not finding that time. But by not finding that time, we are putting for, for our, ourselves on the next quarter another urgent topic instead of a strategic topic. So that we perpetuate that cycle of, of uh, working urgent stuff. Um, and, and I think this is the, the key. If we stop uh, and, and be able to, to do this mapping, we can then have a more ordered process, so to speak. Yeah. Maybe to zoom in on, on, indeed on the insights, right? I think, Punti, you, you have a question about uh, competitive analysis. Did you want to ask it? Yes, yes. Um, I have a question and I have a comment. Um, uh, my comment was that just continuing to what you were saying, um, uh, I think that strategy uh, really is a differentiator between a great and a good company. Um, I have been part of some companies that they even have a role called product strategy manager, and that is very different from the product manager role. But what they do um, practically is trying to make sure that different products that these companies have, they can work together and integrate together. And they don't really look over the strategy the strategy of you know where I'm going to be in five years and what does it make sense for the market, for our products to go. And um, so that has been very, very challenging. And that puts the pressure on the product managers to come up actually with a strategy. So they do the both jobs. That was yeah. a comment. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, would you like to add anything? No, I think that, that that's a good point because um, so maybe yeah. To to, to add a comment on, on that one is that you have this. Um, I, I see this situation in two different in two different aspects. The first one is you have these companies in which leadership is stopping at the level of 
yes, we want to grow into this market, which is super high level, and then doesn't give. Uh, I mean, they're trying to be to empower teams, but they actually given no there no clue to to actually be empowered and decide on top of more um, specific or general uh, opportunities. And then the other one is when we are not really um, sure what position to take. So we're trying to kind of jump from, from one to another. Uh, and that's also something that, uh, as you said, probably if you, if you want to make a position in a longer term, you need to be very specific on, on kind of the approach and how you to get there. And if you are just, hey, since I'm not sure, I'm not deciding on anyone, you are just going from, from one point to the other and not, not making a, a, a position. Um, and uh, my question was about uh, when you uh, are focusing on a feature as a product, let's say that um, I want to develop the search um, capability for a product inside a company. And so running the competitive analysis for that is very difficult because your competitors would be um, okay, let's say that I have an office similar similar to the Microsoft Office um, um, product, and I want to run search for it, build a search for it. Then I have to go particularly to Microsoft Office, look at what their search are doing, what are they capable of. Um, so how do you go about doing the competitive analysis when you want to build, you know, when you want to understand what the market is doing? Because it's not possible to go to every product and, you know, drill down into what they're doing on that feature. Yeah, uh, so for sure it's a complex topic. And, and again, I would love to hear uh, other experiences. Um, an approach I like to take, and this is probably coming from, from the from other book, the Blotion strategy and, and dividing the, the value proposition into, into the many different aspects, is taking that from a user perspective. So first of all, you can uh, so you may have many, many different products out there. So trying to understand which are the most relevant for the users. And that's probably very easy because you can get market share or, or some other uh, proxy metric to understand which is the, the, the one that the user are selecting. And then you can even do some, for instance, some user interviews or, or some, yeah, actually not interviews, but it'll be um, more like, uh, yeah, or either user testing on the competitor's product or similar interviews are guided to the competitor's product to understand what the user value from the search capability of your competitor X. So in that way, you uh, you are not making wild guesses of what's valuable or what you're not making wild guesses, okay, this search is better than this one because they have this crazy feature. You are actually seeing from the user perspective what, is the, the, what they value in, in inside search. Um, so I think that's a, not only a nice way to kind of uh, make the complex uh, or make, make the, the, the problem a bit less complex but also making it from a perspective that will let you afterwards decide on okay this is super important or even i can differentiate from this product because i see that the users are using this competitor product in a way that is not super satisfying their needs so there is something to build up there so it's a it gives you some some extra learnings to to make better decisions in terms of strategy at least yeah and I think also that the other maybe benefit of doing it from the user point of view is that then probably you will sometimes uh, find that uh, besides checking the competitor, you should also see how the expectation is with uh, like more in general, right? Like what I'm thinking now is, for example, search, the people that was doing it uh, at, at Booking, for example, of course, the competitor was, let's say, Expedia, right? And then 
uh, we would just, you could just see, okay, you can search there by date, for example, right? But then what we would see is that people search related more to Google. So then they were trying or they were expecting to, to be able to search in the same way, right? And Google, I mean, well, now you can say it's a competitor with Google Travel, right? But before it was also like, if you would just look into the competitors and not that much from the user point of view, probably you would never uh, see, see that angle, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Actually, yeah, that, we, we know we, we actually are, again, probably that's, as you said, this is the user view because we are too focused on, on our product that we are too biased to look into our competitors, but yeah. the users are actually taking other, other paradigm mental yeah. models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did another uh, challenge? I think I've seen when when we were talking about the insights, right? Besides that, it takes time and so on. Another different, yeah, set of challenge I've seen is also teams. Yeah, I don't know if company, but teams also thinking that um, well, we already know them, right? So why would we even uh, take the time to write them down and to uh, you know like ask even sometimes, right? I think sometimes some teams. And people, you know, have been so long in, in, in a team already that it's very easy sometimes to get this feeling that, well, we already know them, right? And we all more or less know because we have all interviewed someone at a certain point. So then, uh, but, but I think doing this exercise of all, well, getting together or at a certain point, having this all written down. And then also, I think what you mentioned, right, then. Uh, decide which of all these uh, universe of insights are the ones more relevant still is super valuable right uh, even if everyone feels like oh we already know all these things yeah yeah and in, in that sense I, I really like for instance tools like the opportunity solution tree by Ter Torres explain it here not too long ago uh, <laughs> because um, what, what I usually see is that you know we tend to get in love with our ideas and and especially when they're doing strategy you uh, convince yourself because it's sort of an abstract exercise still, so you can convince yourself that this is the right the, the right approach to to take. Um, so the the mapping your opportunity space with an opportunity solution tree. So I'm not talking about solution part, I'm talking about the top part. Um, I think it's super valuable to kind of being able to not only see what you already know, but also come up with other opportunities that you may not be looking before making a decision. So I think those sort of tools are, are super interesting. And then going back to one, one thing I, I really like about make, making a systematic approach to strategy is that if you're really stating your strategic assumptions, even though you say like this, hey, we're convinced this is true. Okay, but that's right, the assumption we are pursuing, let's experiment on that. So you will really quickly, or you can really quickly realize if you are pursuing the right thing or not. Because uh, if, not, if, if you're not stating that um, assumption and you are not testing upon it, you may end up working 12 months or, or even more in, in something that's not, not valuable at the end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I see there's another question from the page. And Andre, do you want to make your question? I see you are also on the call. Andre Rocha. Ah, oh, too much background noise. Uh, okay, I can make it uh, for you. Says marketplaces have different personas with different, sometimes conflicting interests. Uh, yeah, your opinion, what is the best way to set up KPIs, outcomes? And yeah, should we even have uh, different roadmaps maybe for each uh, segment? And so we're, I'm actually currently working in a marketplace and I will argue that travel <laughs> also was some sort of marketplace uh, because of course you need to integrate providers to, to sell products to customers. So, so I have been in that field. Um, so in terms of 
I will answer in two different levels. What you need to have in order to steer the product into the same direction is some way of understanding what is the shared goal. Because for sure, you can say, yeah, we're more focused on the customer, but in order to focus on the customer, we need to be serving our suppliers to have a good product to serve our customers. Um, so at the end, that's something in there that can be a number of transactions, can be um, revenues, can be conversion, whatever. But that sort of um, goal should be aligned on both sides. Um, because at the end, let's say, let's use an example of conversion, which is quite easy. If you are saying, I'm focusing on conversion because I want to uh, do nice things for, 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 for the user in terms of features. But in order to deliver those features, you probably need to, for instance, you, I want to uh, have a better description of my product. Okay, you need to ask your supplier to have a description. And so th this uh, is a cycle that you always need to, to be considering. So the metric you choose need to be serving both sides. So that's in terms of, um, of aligning on, on a goal and that goal should be on top of kind of the strategy. Then the, the, I, I guess that the question was around uh, having different roadmaps. So I do think that the opportunity spaces tend to be different. So um, as, as the question said, there are two different personas and those two different personas have different needs. So when we're exploring opportunities, those opportunities or those problems to solve might be very different. Um, but still there is a connection. So this is the risk when we're saying if there are two super separate teams not, work, not working close together. The problem is if I want to pursue an opportunity on the consumer side that needs some uh, something done by the supplier side in order to, to, to achieve it, then if you are not aligned, you are uh, kind of missing that opportunity. So what I'm trying to say in essence is that those two need to be aligned. So the strategy needs to be a single strategy that cascades. And of course, when you go to the different sides of the product, you may have different opportunities, but you are coming from the same positioning that you want to build. Um, so maybe I can give a more concrete example. Um, in uh, At the state, for instance, my last company, when we were talking in travel, we were biggest Mexican travel company, really focused on the Mexican Caribbean destinations. So I want to say, hey, we want to build a differentiation in terms of content for all star hotels. Very, very big chunk of our revenues in in uh, you know Cancun, those those areas that are very um, yeah center on these all star hotels. But of course, in order to bring up that content, we can we we have tools in in the let's say on our seaside or at our reach, which were having content editors and things like that that they can really add some flavor to to what we're doing. But for for sure, we did some descriptions and enhancements on the supply side. So in that sense, the stat that was the strategy. So that was or actually not the strategy, the positioning, the focus. And then we have things all over the place. So for instance, we have things from the product perspective uh, on, on the on the C side, let's call it. On the supplier side, we also had some uh, opportunities to improve the information we are giving to those uh, hotels. For instance, we would say, hey, you are having a, a, a bad conversion compared to other competitors, and you are lacking these and these features in your description page. So that's how we align on the same on the same strategic uh, initiative from a very different angles of the marketplace. And finally, even furthermore, 
the, the strategy also involved the commercial team because there was a commercial team doing the deals with the hotels. So yeah, we are focusing on you, so we can do this and these arrangements. So was a commercial aspect to the strategy as well. Um, so I'm not sure if I answered the question, but basically there's to be, to be a top level strategy, a top level positioning that we are sure that we are aligned and then we can um, divide some opportunities on both sides. Are there also yeah, any other questions, maybe comments related to what I think these uh, like different personas or marketplace and then KPIs and counter metrics is, is, is very interesting one. I don't know if there's someone wants to add something maybe or like a follow up question. Hey, well, this is uh, this is Scott from Pasadena in the United States. Can you guys hear me OK? Yes, we can hear you, Scott. Oh, excellent. Cool. I've got really, I'm on my backup internet, so I'm not even trying video right now. Um, so I wanted to make a comment about the personas because that's a very popular concept, especially in the design community. But coming at it from sort of a strategy perspective, and especially if you use a tool like Jobs to be Done, um, you know, the, the lesson there is that if you have a very demographic focused persona as opposed to a benefits and sort of jobs and outcomes focused persona, um, it can be very misleading. And so you end up chasing people. All right, there you go. Good on you, Tim. Um, so you end up, you end up chasing um, basically ghosts, ghost customers, right? Um, you know, you know a lot about them, you know, what's their favorite color and what name is their dog, right? But in terms of how much are they willing to pay for specific things and, and especially where are the gaps in, in their outcomes, right? So like what's really important and where's their dissatisfaction? Um, if you're not really zeroed in on that, uh, you can really be led astray. So you can do a lot of really good design work and a lot of iterations, but you don't actually produce sales. Yeah, I think yeah. that on my side, I'm, um, I can say that there are, so different uses for personas. So uh, I agree that maybe maybe on more discovery-oriented activities or implementation-oriented activities may be more more helpful. Uh, on a strategy, I think that the so the, you know the, the, the strategy can have different flavors. So for instance, if you are trying to expand to new personas, so let's say that um, I have a product that solves some jobs to be done, uh, but it's being used by I don't know. Um, other population, I want to target younger population, then understanding a bit more of that audience and how we can change our product to position for that audience is important. But also, as you said, I think that it's not only understanding, hey, what's their favorite color, it's understanding more of, okay, what's the need they have and what is the, the need that my product is still not solving um, to, to actually conquer that, that segment of the market. Um, so as I said, Maybe it's similar to what you said. Uh, I, I think there is a use there for, for segments, but it needs to be in terms of this expansion. And then when you are analyzing a segment, it's not just uh, coming up with persona, it's understanding more of, of the background and what's the, the, the barrier then to, to enter to that market. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just to rephrase, you know, it's personas, there may be a number of different personas in a segment. And I think that's, that's often where things get lost. Because um, especially, you know, when you, again, when you talk to like UX designers, you know, they just think in terms of personas and sort of the, you know, as the product manager, you've got to connect, per, you know, number of, per, number of uh, members of this persona to a market. 
Um, and designers don't just don't think that way. And yet as sort of product people and, you know, as you go up the ladder, you really do have to think about that, right? Because if you've got a, a great persona, but they represent, you know, 0.01% of potential customers, you know, that's not a good business decision. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's also something similar that I see sometimes when people talk about roadmaps, right? And then if you understand yeah. roadmap more as a list of features, then it doesn't work. But if you understand roadmap more like as well, right? What auto and I want to focus first and then second. Then so I think, yeah, with personas, it's, it's sometimes the same, right? Uh, unless it's very clear what exactly that the, the team means when uh, using personas, it, it can go all over the place, I think. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right there. I mean, the other thing that's really important is to be very upfront about your assumptions yeah. and to, to do a lot of fast and cheap tests around that. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of, lot of people um, have written about that for decades, but it still isn't common practice. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's, a, that's another thing that I think is really good to, to focus on. Very helpful and simple, right? You don't need lots of fancy Harvard MBAs to, to do that. Definitely. <laughs> nice. <laughs> or London School of Economics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Indeed, closer to, to us. <laughs> um, all right. We, we have also another uh, question or comment for Diana. Do, do you want to make it yourself? From the yeah, of course. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. No, no worries. Um, so I'm actually curious uh, because I've been through a couple of different product manager roles, uh, both in, in technology companies and software. And um, and I'm, I'm actually curious if you've seen a difference in the way the product management or product direction is working with um, sales results. And what I mean by that is one of the companies I was in um, as a product manager, I was actually directly responsible of the PNL, which meant that it was somehow my responsibility to be close to the market all the time and make sure that my product is relevant on a regular basis. That's not the case everywhere. And that's not the case, for example, in the company I'm in now, um, which makes it that it seems like the product teams are a bit farther down from what they're trying to achieve with their product. And they're sometimes running after either ghost personas as, as Scott very, very well uh, pointed out. Um, but also after things that don't necessarily make a difference and move the needle a lot in terms of sales. So it might be that it's a feature that's really cool, but it's not going to sell more of, or, move your product into into that. So I'm just curious a little bit to, to hear about your experience with that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I, I feel that the, yeah, I would say that the target population for product direction, <laughs> now that we're talking about this, this way, uh, is more focused on, on, on companies that are trying to be more, let's say, call it product-led. Um, so because companies more, let's call it sales-led, a lot of challenges beyond strategy, I will say, I will argue. Uh, it, for instance, discovery and things like that so are so problematic kind of uh, designing on behalf of what the customer X wants. So those are kind of uh, the, the, the problems I see out there. Um, one thing that I suggest in these cases, and again, this is maybe company by company, so it's a very uh, particular to each scenario, is trying to uh, go through the opposite path. So we're trying to say, 
we have a direction from the direction we start uh, our discovery problems and then we implement. But if we are coming from solutions, let's try to go the other way around and find what is the, the, the direction that solution will bring us. So if we pursue this solution, what will actually be our final positioning? How, what does that mean for the, the, the market we are trying to capture? What does this mean for the differentiation we are making from other competitors? So in that sense, you can, you may, not say case by case, you may shift the conversation from let's build this or, or, or don't build it to, hey, if we pursue this path, we are, will end up here. Do we want to end up there? That's fine or not then we discuss. And that's even um, interesting because you can decide that for sure we have always less resources that we want in any company, sales driven or not sales driven. So I'm sure that you are having many uh, uh, sales representatives having different customer requests. So maybe the discussion of if this feature more valuable than this other that is mostly opinionated and based on who screams uh, higher or, or the highest paid person opinion, you can shift the conversation to, okay, if we want to achieve this positioning, then this set of uh, customers or opportunities or, or solutions you are presenting are more reasonable to this positioning. So you can kind of shift the conversation, if that makes sense. That's a very interesting point, um, kind of way to, to look at it. I didn't, didn't think about that. Thanks. Nice. I think, uh, Tim, you also had a question? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I want to take in the roadmap part. I really like that, like that chapter. And my question would be um, the differentiation between project roadmaps, so these uh, gunshots we all know, uh, versus the product roadmaps. How would you convince companies or how would you argue to switch this, uh, let's call it the mindset, difficult mm -hmm. word, but this, this usage of uh, project roadmaps going to more product roadmaps. Yeah. So essentially what, what uh, I'm seeing, I'm actually I'm, I'm seeing more acceptance uh, lately. So I think it's a, it's a good sign. Um, so the way to frame it that I think worked in the past is if we are making a project-oriented roadmap, we cannot commit to the results. We can commit to the deliveries. And what you actually want, stakeholder X who is acting for the roadmap, you want the outcomes, you don't want the results. Um, so we, and somehow we can commit to the results and gain some, uh, and we will tell you what opportunities or what problems we're solving, but uh, we will find the specific solution based on what makes more impact on the results. Um, so that's a line of argument. It's, it's a bit high level how I'm explaining. And it, it requires a bit of fighting in between. Uh, but um, one thing that also is um, has worked in the past is show how often the product roadmap fails because, oh, sorry, the project roadmap fails. Um, when you put it in terms of you know, your typical Gantt chart, you can do that. Let's, let's say that you come up with the product roadmap and it's a strategic roadmap based on opportunities, not on solutions. And you're saying, hey, we, this is the roadmap for our next year. And say, oh, no, we want something more detailed. We want solutions. Say, okay, I will give you the um, project roadmap for the next quarter. You will see how that will fail. So you- and, and one question in advance, as you work for a German-based company, uh, and I'm from <laughs> Germany as well, and we are, so- so how did that, that worked out with this German-based company? No, I, 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 I have I, some I, experience with that. 
<laughs> I would actually say that Sing is a is a very particular company, uh, and maybe a bit of background, maybe also a bit of why I choose to to work at Sing. Um, has a very strong product community, almost 60 people, and, and uh, has been working with product management for probably almost 10 years now. So it's uh, I would say the, the stakeholders and management are quite used to these conversations. So I, I am a bit lucky in that sense. But for instance, I, 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 I don't want to blame anyone or not uh, point fingers at any company, but I have uh, a friend working at Salando who, who cut this pain of, of being this kind of two years roadmap based on, on, on projects. Um, so at some point, I think there is a trade-off. And as I was saying, uh, a company may decide that they want to be project-driven and, and maybe, uh, I don't know, as smart as can put it, they made that time to find another company. But I, I still think that there are opportunities for, for having this discussion in which you're saying, if we are having this underlying project roadmap, let's put a product roadmap on top to see what outcomes we're trying to pursue. And what you can show afterwards, and this is where I was going with, with this Q1 example, is that the project roadmap usually fails because when you are actually executing, at some point you will have that discussion. Should we pursue the project roadmap and not deliver on the outcome? So I will give you this feature, but you, we know this feature will not make an impact. Or we stick with the outcome, so we switch the project roadmap in order to put there or to build what actually will hit our outcomes. And I think that's the discussion that's serving me the most. So as I said, different stakeholders, different companies, maybe different conversations, but framing the conversation from that perspective. So if you want the pressure roadmap, okay, I will do it. Let's try to do the best efforts possible. So try to, to manage to um, you know, go through it without much pain um, and then use it to show how it uh, didn't work uh, as, as a good tool for uh, for communication because roadmap is mostly for communication with stakeholders. And, and and in that way, I, I, I found some opportunities to kind of uh, change the mindset. I'm curious to learn anyway Thanks about our experiences because uh, this is something that probably many of us uh, faced. Yeah. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Hey, Carlos. Hey, Nacho. Congrats hey. for the book again. I read the book already a couple of months ago. Uh, I found it to be an amazing tool as well, like a very good collection of uh, tools. So hats off for um, for the work you, you did, uh, Nacho. And I also wanted to build on what uh, Diana said, more of a, as a comment related to um, this kind of two types of organizations, at least one which is more sales driven, and right in the other one, which is more output driven. And, uh, and just uh, creating roadmap for, with more like a project management approach. And I think it's interesting to talk about why, why they are in certain, in certain side of the scale or, or on the other. And one of the things I have realized is uh, incentives, for instance, play a big role. Mostly, for instance, when we talk about uh, sales driven organizations, right? I, I happen to work uh, in my past life at Booking.com, right, and working with a commercial organization, and you saw that even though many of the reasons that we provided uh, were made made sense, and then we we also kind of double check with many other people in the organization, then the incentives to move in certain direction uh, didn't didn't allow the sales organization to understand it. 
right? Because if we could tell that you need to you need to prioritize, you need to help us uh, building this product more in the long run, no, not for selling to your specific customer of the specific client, but if there is a bonus in between, then that blinds your understanding. And I think um, that's uh, something to also put on the table many times as a product manager, not only kind of getting in the discussion of shall we build this tool or not, it's also how are you being incentivized and how could we then uh, help the organization to provide the right incentives to move in certain direction. And there's another factor which is related to the maturity. I guess when you are just starting a product, there is some space probably of weeks time where you need to aim for outputs before you aim for outcomes. That, that should be very clearly specified and very uh, kind of uh, limited so that uh, it doesn't become the new norm, but it's also something to, to uh, define. And I have a question for the, for, for the group, Nacho and, or anyone who have an, uh, an idea about it. Related to another factor that I saw uh, would make certain product organizations function in some way or another, which is the type of product. So um, I, at Booking.com, for instance, we have a, where the product, which was a hotel, which was mostly a commodity. So in general, as, a, as an organization, we could make um, decisions very easily because um, where we knew that if, if a customer would go to a four-star hotel in Amsterdam, it didn't matter too much if it was the one in this street on the on the other street. But then I moved to a, an organization which was working in, in events, and it does matter whether you're going to a concert by Beyonce, I don't know, or by some kind of a unknown artist. In which case, the product is not commoditized anymore, and many times. These big uh, items, such as the Beyonce, etc., they will have a bigger um, kind of a negotiation uh, hand, and uh, and that could also blend the principles you have established as a product organization, right? Because if if it's either we develop so that Beyonce is in our platform or Beyonce is not in our platform, and therefore we need to at, at times or we're required to work as an agency, but I resist to, to believe that's the case. What do you think, Nacho? Do I make any sense? <laughs> yeah, I think there's uh, one uh, interesting uh, thought that arises uh, from what you are saying is that it's not only sales-driven, not sales-driven, it's also kind of the short-term incentive versus long-term incentive. And that's, uh, that, as, you, as your example, it can be a B2C company, uh, very short-time incentivized. So for sure, there is uh, there is a, a moment in time in which you need to survive, for instance, in which you are not uh, probably very strategic and you're trying to say, we need Beyonce because we need to, to earn that money in order to, to be able to build the next thing. So I think that those um, so compromises to, to our principles or to our strategy even, I think um, in those situations, uh, are a no-brainer, so to speak. Um, then the problem is when we are, I mean, that's a, what is the problem with that? That you can perpetuate that behavior because if you are not building any differentiation, you are not making any uh, positioning and you are not uh, building a base of customers that you can rely upon to, to grow your business, then you are jumping from one, let's say, one start to the other in order to, to make a living. So that's an agency, as you said. Um, 
So yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there is some some room for this flexibility, but you should be more um, or you should be conscious of, of where you are getting into. And I think those uh, discussions are, are particularly difficult, maybe in a startup or things that, that actually you are trying to build your position from the first time, different from a company, uh, maybe going back to a sales driven example in which you have a product, you have, the product has a market fit, has a place of customers, and then you are adding feature X because this company asked for it. Um, so I think that they're totally different uh, discussions. But as you said, the incentives, if you are sales driven and you're trying to make a sales quota and, and you are uh, constantly prioritizing those that objectives, on top of your strategic objectives, it's very hard to, on, on top of long-term incentives or so long-term uh, customer-based development, it's very hard to build a strategy. Yeah, I, I think also there the underlying challenge that I think is uh, probably not only product-related, right? But I think what, what Sebastian, you mentioned, right? This misalignment on uh, goals between well, teams or departments, right? That I think, well, as, as a company grows, uh, it's easier that they happen and then, well, they will have a bigger impact as well, right? Because sometimes, indeed, the discussion is not that much about project roadmap against a product roadmap, but it's more that, well, like Sebastian said, right? Someone has incentive to, to get this ad on time and, and, and that's it. But you, you just want to deliver the best product, right? So two people try to achieve something different and trying to coordinate on something that is not the same, right? So one won't happen. Yeah, actually, I believe um, maybe this go back, goes back to the to the marketplace example. You, it's easy to have silos for two different sides of the of the marketplace in the entire organization. I think we as product people we have a a higher responsibility for bringing those worlds together, because for sure, as we were discussing before, if you are trying to deliver on a unified experience and you're trying to uh, yeah make uh, any uh, sort of silos you might have in the organization work in a in a, in a coherent way and pursue the same objectives. I think we have actually, we have the responsibility, but we also have the tools to do it because we, we run the product at the end of the day. So, so yeah, it's an interesting, I, I saw also in, in travel companies in which you have silos per, per vertical, so flights, hotels, car rental, et cetera. Um, and at the end of the day, the, the, the user needs to see a unified experience. So it's, it's quite interesting. Um, and you are trying to solve for the best trip the user can have. So the trip involves many products, even though the, maybe the commercial organizations have different incentives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need to think a good uh, way of approaching. I think you, you also mentioned in the book at the beginning, right? You should always start with like, you basically should forget your team and then start with like, okay, the company, what does it want to achieve? And then see how that cascades into all different teams, right? Because sometimes if you start from the other side, then it's very difficult to find where the things start being uh, having this uh, misconnection, right, or, or different ambitions. Uh, yeah, that's a super interesting challenge for I'm sure what roles you have. But from, from a product leader perspective, that's also interesting because you are trying to incentivize your your PMs to be strategic and think about strategy. But it's easy; it would maybe easier for them to think about their their part of the product or their, their vertical or however you want to call it, and then. When, when, when they are bringing the, those strategies, you need to come up with a way to um, make a synergy. And for sure, that would mean saying no to things. Yeah. Um, of course, you, you need to have that role of unifying stuff. Yeah. Actually, what is interesting as well is that, um, as, you, as you guys have said, in general, when it comes to strategy, so sorry, to, to incentives, that's rather the small print, right? But it's not, it's not something that you typically declare openly. 
because in, if you go to the vision of a department, at least that was my experience, we were all aligned there. And when, whenever we say, yeah, we are striving to help our customers, yes, all together and everyone said the amen. But then when it came to operationalizing that, uh, I came to that realization while working on it, right? Like saying, okay, so this person, like the story that we are having here, I haven't, I, I see no flow and yet this person is not able to, to buy it and I don't understand why. And then kind of uh, trying to, to um, work, to investigate on this, I also came to this quote, like the best way to, um, uh, to forecast or to predict the behavior of someone is to look at the way they are incentivized, right? And uh, many times this is not uh, exposed. This is not like kind of a public uh, information. And that's why um, sometimes when it comes to um, also, uh, I think someone mentioned on how to convince the rest of people to work in certain way. It's also trying to understand what they need. And sometimes that's not uh, written anywhere. Yeah. yeah I think that's one of the points why I wanted to be super specific from following this path from strategy, because you mentioned vision, but also on strategy, we can say, hey, yeah, we love the strategy. And then when you go to execution, it fails. Uh, so it's very important to kind of be connecting the points. No? And then, for instance, Martin Erickson has this uh, decision stack uh, process in which he said, okay, yes, the vision gives us room for the strategy and for the objectives and for the opportunities. And uh, all those steps, you're saying what you are not doing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's probably right to the same, but yeah, we need to... To make those connections very clear and make clear what we are not or what we are actually doing and what not doing. Yeah. <clears throat> any um, someone else wants to uh, any questions or comments maybe from the call? I think we also had uh, one more from the page. Um, so. Uh, what do you recommend for companies that uh, working on creating the company vision, right? Because I think, yeah, of course, on, on the, the, the book starts straight uh, from strategy. And I think it is mentioned, of course, right, that you are assuming that there is a vision. But um, yeah, maybe what uh, <laughs> suggestions yeah. are there? Yeah, yeah, actually, it's a good point because when, when I start, I actually at some point uh, make the a conscious decision of starting with the strategy because uh, it was kind of big topic and, and also yeah. uh, I'm saying uh, probably there are people who maybe Marty Kagan, for instance, can can speak about strategy uh, vision much better. Um, the approach I do really like for product organizations or product teams is the storyboard and also something that I, I picked from, from Marty. Um, why? Because you can have a vision that, um, I mean, a typical vision, not, not a vision statement, but a, a typical vision in which you say, hey, this is the future we want to build. It may be harder to make it tangible for teams. I'm making, let's call it actionable for teams. When you come to a storyboard, I, they usually, usually the way I want, I, I like to frame it is, okay, this is the, the world of the user before our we achieve our vision before the product achieves vision and this is the product uh, or the, the the world of the user afterwards and kind of, kind of frames showing that story so in that way it's you kind of you are highlighting the the pains again the positioning you want to to make um so that's why i like the story part um 
how to come up with the storyboard that may be another another book and I'm probably not the right one to, to write it um and yeah I, I guess um it starts with this um conscious decision of we we are trying to focus on 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 this type of problem and we want to be the best in this type of way and making that some some sort of claim in storyboard yeah yeah, indeed. I, I found that the, the, the storyboard also helps to abstract a bit more from whatever the existing product is, right? Or like, I don't know, think of features and so on, right? It pushes you to like, okay, let's not talk about screens, but uh, how do we want the, the experience, the feeling to be at the end, right? Yeah, exactly. And also another thing I find interesting about the storyboard is that I, I feel it scales nicely in terms of you can have a storyboard for let's say it's a, a bigger company you can have a storyboard for for the company more the, the the whole product experience which is a bit more abs a bit more higher level but then going back to teams the teams can create storyboards for the for the their own product vision so to speak or maybe not a team but a unit a cluster however you call it um but yeah you you, you can have this combination at different levels and still scales well yeah yeah indeed Cool. And checking the time, are, are there any uh, final questions or comments? Uh, from my side, just uh, well, first of all, uh, thanks uh, to you guys, Carlos and Nacho, for, for uh, organizing and to, for the book. Um, just to say that strategy where I having done product for almost 10 years, I came to the realization of what strategy was a couple of years ago only, probably five years ago or something. So it took solid five years to, to um, understand it. And, uh, and, well, and thanks, for, thanks to, to your book, it was a very kind of a cooking recipe to, to make that happen. Um, and it's funny because for strategies in general, a very big word that appears in Harvard Business Review and everyone thinks it's a, it's a, it's a 10 page or 100 pages document. Uh, and thank you for landing it uh, to, to us. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's for my side. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, indeed. I, I agree. I think that the book is a very nice, uh, how do you say, summary of all these uh, things that talk about uh, tools and how to do it and, you know, without losing that detail, as I mentioned, right? And when I read the advice for even how to word it, I was like, wow, man, it's amazing that the book is still not like a whole Bible, but it still uh, is able to provide this level of detail. So I agree. Um, just uh, maybe we can do now the pictures so the people that have the book at hand or also if you yeah just want to appear on the on the on the picture you can turn on your uh, camera oh, nice to see you <laughs> <laughs> nice all right so i will yeah take a screenshot uh, three two one nice all right thanks everyone Thank you, uh, Nacho, very much for, for joining and for yeah all the discussion. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, thank you, everyone, again. I'll see you uh, next month. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to check the upcoming discussions and join us, go to productbookclub.com. 